Hey, I'm Pastor Dave. Welcome to the Lighthouse. We hope the Lord speaks to you today by his word. The aspect of being one in the harvest. And um, so I, I just want to read a few passages of scriptures. And then tonight, uh, we're going to be focusing in especially on Joel chapter 2. And uh, Joel uh, lived 800 years uh, BC. And uh, as you know, the prophets were always about hearing from God and then speaking what God had spoken to them. There was always direction given. And uh, I thank God um, that there's direction given in his word. And the word uh, in Joel was for that time, was saying, hey, you need, to, you need to smarten up. It was also for our time. Uh, it was for the time of 2,000 years ago. It was for, it is for this day, and it is for that which is still to come. So only three chapters, not a long uh, book, but um, there is something in it for us. And so we're going to be going through Joel chapter 2. Once again, tonight, I'm going to be focusing on being one, being one. And the, the aspect of, of the body of Christ is about the unity and the functioning within the body that is necessary. Any part that is not functioning within the body, immediately, the rest of the body feels it. And so there's this... Uh, uh, taking care of the one that is hurting or the one that, or the part that is not functioning uh, to, to compensate and uh, to take care of that. And we need to be likewise in our uh, interactions with each other and, um, and also in what God has for us um, now and down the road as well. So, uh, the Lord of the Harvest, part seven, and the title just one, as in O-N-E, to be one. Luke 24, verse 44, uh, to the end uh, of that book, Jesus is speaking to uh, the disciples, and he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. So everything that was written about him um, in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms in the Old Testament concerning him was fulfilled. And that which has not been fulfilled yet will be fulfilled. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, thus it is written and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer, the anointed one to suffer, and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, upon you all. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power. I want you to wait until you receive that power. 
And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. So as Jesus rose and left this planet, there was this thing of anticipation. There was a thing of great joy. There was this... Uh, coming together in the temple to praise and bless God. And uh, so we see this at the end of Luke, and we also see this. Uh, there's some more given uh, details regarding Jesus leaving the, this planet. So Acts chapter 1, verse 4 says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. So the promise, the promise of the Father is guaranteed. And the promise of the Father is for every single believer, not just some. And it's something that comes after salvation. Something that they had to wait for or they had to seek and wait for, and this was the Holy Spirit. And he'll, he expands on this. Jesus expands, and he says, Which, he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized or immersed with the Holy, with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the, Lord, the Father has put in his own authority. Here's what you need to focus in on. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit like never before. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the Spirit of God to come upon us and fill us with the power of, of the Holy Spirit so that we can be witnesses to the Lord wherever we may be, right to the end of the earth, right to the end of the age. On the day of Pentecost, this is Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They were in one place, in one accord. They were in agreement to receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. They were waiting for the power of the Holy Spirit. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So they, when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they began to speak with other tongues. And Immediately, there was an impact around them as the power of the Holy Spirit came upon them and began to flow from them. And there was an impact 
And uh, you can read that in Acts chapter 2. But they were all with one accord in one place. So we're all in one place right now. But we may not necessarily be in one accord. And so this thing of being in one accord is in, we're in agreement. We're in agreement. We are in agreement to what the Lord would have for us. We need to be one. We need to be in agreement. We need to have the Holy Spirit, especially in this day and age. So, tonight I'm just going to talk about being one. Let's just uh, go back now to Joel chapter 2. And it's interesting that uh, as we finish off this chapter, um, we will find that Joel prophesied what was not yet. 800 years before it happened, Joel prophesied that there would be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And that outpouring has continued in different lives all along the way over the last 2,000 years. The, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, to be immersed in the Holy Spirit, not just to have the Holy Spirit residing in, in you, but to be immersed in the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And in Joel chapter 2, uh, we read what is still to come even during the outpouring of the Holy Spirit during the tribulation, the Holy Spirit will not leave this planet or is not going to leave this planet. And with the Holy Spirit, there is opportunity for, for people to come to Lord, even during the tribulation. And there will be many that will be saved during the tribulation. Now, yes, uh, it'll cost them their life. And I've mentioned this over the course of the last few months. You don't want to get saved during the tribulation. You'd rather, it's better to get saved before the tribulation. You want to get saved before the tribulation. So, um, the Holy Spirit is there. Without the Holy Spirit, a person can't get saved. So people oftentimes will say, well, the Holy Spirit's going to be caught up. Uh, or when the Holy Spirit is caught up, and, and I, then... Yeah, well, then how can a person get saved? So people will be getting saved during the tribulation. So this passage in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse, I think it's around 6 or 7, it talks about when he is removed. The he being removed is not the Holy Spirit. It is us. It is us being removed from this planet, okay? And so, in fact, the Holy, or the, the Antichrist cannot be revealed until we're caught and out of the way. So the Holy, or the Antichrist is alive on the planet at this point in time. I truly believe that. But he is not going to be revealed until the church is caught out of the way. The body of Christ believers. So what is going to be leaving this planet is us. So for those that are, are and I recognize there's a whole contingent that say, well, no, we're going to go through the tribulation. I don't believe that for a second. Because scripture doesn't bear witness to that. So the thing is to be ready before the trumpet sounds and before the day of the Lord. And the day of the Lord actually has two parts. And Joel chapter 2 um, is more about the 
the last part or the second part of the day of the Lord. So the day of the Lord would begin even with the catching up of the believers at the, the resurrection of those that have died in Christ and, and their spirit and soul is with God, but their body will be caught up, a brand new body. And then it says, we who remain in, will be caught up to be with them. And so we will be with the Lord. And so encourage one another. Because the Lord is coming back soon. You do not want for your loved ones not to be ready. And so the day of the Lord is a terrible thing for those that aren't prepared for it. And the Lord always gives warning. And that's, that's who we need to be. We need to be those that would warn others that uh, the day of the Lord is at hand to be one. And you say, Pastor, how does this tie in, uh, this thing of being one? And, and I'm, I'm going to um, uh, just share four different things about being one, uh, especially at this time, okay? So, going to Joel chapter 2 from verse 1. It says, blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord is coming for it is at hand. Now, this passage, chapter 2, has to do specifically with Israel, but it also, there's many things that we can take from this as well. And for us as believers, all right, just like uh, the last part of this chapter, uh, Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. He preached, and he is referring to Joel chapter 2, verses 28 to 32. And he refers to it. So it is also for the church age as well. So it's not just for Israel specifically, but it's also for the church age. And even during the millennium, the Holy Spirit is going to, man... The Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead and the Holy Spirit desires to be, as one person I heard say, put it, Jesus is Lord over the church. The Holy Spirit is Lord in the church. And I, I, I heard that for the first time just last week. And I thought, that is good. Jesus is Lord over the church. But Jesus said, it is advantageous that I go so that the Holy Spirit can come. I need to go so that the Holy Spirit can come. It's to your advantage. And so we go through, oftentimes we go through our Christian life, and we are doing pretty well everything on our own, and the Holy Spirit is being grieved because what could be done, not just on us and in us, but through us, is not being accomplished. And so there's a grieving. And so regarding this coming of the day of the Lord, it is at hand. For the day of the Lord is coming, for it is at hand. It means it is very close. It is very near. A day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, like the morning clouds spread over the mountains. A people come great and strong, the like of whom has never been, nor will there ever be any such after them, even for many successive generations. In fact, this battle that is going to take place, 
especially at the end of the tribulation, is talking about some of this at this point as being part of the day of the Lord. This battle that's going to take place, there will be not a gathering like this for another thousand years until just at the end of the thousand year of the millennial reign. There will, never, there will not be another gathering like that for another thousand years. And we read of that in Revelations chapter 20, that uh, time when Satan, Satan's going to be bound and all the demons will be bound for a thousand years. And then there's going to be a releasing just for a short period of time at the end of the millennium, the thousand years. And, uh, but here, this thing is taking place at the end of the tribulation. So Armageddon. Yes, uh, we, we need to be ready before then. Once again, we don't, no, we don't want anybody to go through the tribulation. A fire devours before them and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them and behind them a desolate wilderness. Surely nothing shall escape them. And their appearance is like the appearance of horses and like swift steeds, so they run. Now, there's a jumping from uh, not talking about the, the Antichrist and his uh, coalition of an army that has come and, and has come against Jerusalem that we read of. Uh, but this here is now the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ at the end, even as, as the Jews will cry out to the Lord, uh, as they're surrounded and they're being overrun or overwhelmed by the Antichrist and his coalition of country and nations, and they're figuring we're done. And now the Lord Jesus Christ shows up and we will be with him. We will be with him. This part, this passage, we will be taking part in this. We will be on horses like swift steeds, so they run. With a noise like chariots over mountaintops, they leap like the noise of, of a flaming fire that devours the stubble, like a strong people set in battle array. Before them, the people writhe in pain. All faces are drained of color. So even as the Antichrist and the, 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 the mighty men that have gathered with all their technology and whatever, they recognize that what they are seeing at this point is supernatural, and their faces are drained of color. They run like mighty men, this, this army that we, the, the host of, of heaven, like us, or will, that is us. They climb the wall like men of war. Everyone marches in formation, and they do not break ranks. They do not push one another. Everyone marches in his own column. Though they lunge between the weapons, they are not cut down. Even though there is the, the, uh, the armament, and the weaponry of man will not be able to touch us. They are not cut down. So we, are, we have a new immortal body that has been given to us at the coming of the Lord at, when the trumpet sounds. And so we will be part of this event that is happening seven years after the, the trumpet of God sounding and those that are Christ being raised up to be with him. They run to and fro in the city. And which city? 
Jerusalem that is surrounded at that point and um, a large section of the, the of the city is overrun already and the people that are there the Jews that are there that have come back they've they left and they came back at the end of the seven years are surrounded and they're crying out to God at this point they're crying out for the Messiah to come and he does it at that time Jesus comes at that time we come with him hallelujah they run to and fro in the city, they run on the wall, they climb into the houses, they enter at the windows like a thief, the earth quakes before them, the heavens trouble, the sun and moon grow dark, and the stars diminish their brightness in the brightness of Jesus Christ. It's like the, 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 uh, the lights that are in the heavenlies grow dark in comparison to the brightness of Jesus Christ. The Lord gives voice before his army, for his camp is very great, for strong is the one who executes his word, for the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? So, to blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain, let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. The Lord is coming back that we would be ready that we are ready, and that as many as possible are ready with us. Now, the next number of verses, there is this aspect of instruction being given. So, that we would be one in this. And so the, the instruction is going, and, and you'll see this as we finish off, especially verse 16 and 17. So let me read these verses from 12 to 17. He says, turn to me with all your heart. Now, therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. So rend your heart and not your garments, so that there would be this, this thing of your own heart, that it's not just an outward thing of I'm, I'm tearing, going through the motions, but that there would be a rending of the heart, a tearing of the heart for those, for the, the fact that the Lord is coming and that there, there would be a preparing before the coming of the Lord. And so one of the things here is that there would be fasting, there would be weeping, there would be mourning, there would be this rending of the heart, there would be a coming before the Lord. For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Basically, that there would be a repentance. Listen, and I've been saying this for the last, very clearly and distinctly, for the last while. If you are living in sin and practicing sin, you have to change your ways. There needs to be a rending of the heart and there needs to be a repentance, a weeping and a mourning for your sin. Lord, forgive me of my sin that I would not continue in it. In it. There needs to be a change in your life. You cannot just be going through the motions and there's an outward thing of, yeah, I'm a Christian. And so there's a rending of, of the, the outward garments to say, hey, this, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry, God. But there's no change in the heart of where, who you are. There's no change in you. The Lord desires, he says, it says he is gracious and merciful. And the Lord is, is very gracious and merciful. But there is a day coming of judgment. And I would hate for anyone here and anybody that's watching online to not make it when the trumpet sounds. You know what? Oh, man. 
I was hanging on. I was just going through the motions. And we are not just praying for ourselves. We are praying for our family. We are praying for our, our, our loved ones, our spouse, our children that don't know the Lord, our grandchildren, whatever relative that you may have, aunts and uncles. Lord, we are fasting. We are praying. We are weeping. We are mourning. We are rending our heart before you for them, for their sake. And so there's this coming together. And it says, who knows if he will relent if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him a grain offering and a drink offering for the lord your god blow the trumpet in zion consecrate a fast call a sacred assembly and so i am calling for there to be a fast that there would be a fast and uh, i will give i will say you know what Enjoy the time that you have with your moms on Mother's Day. But at the end of that day, that's on the 14th, this Sunday, coming up, you would say, you know what, I'm going to take time to fast. And whatever that looks like to you, that you would fast. And maybe, and I've said it in the past, and we've already fasted this year uh, over a course of three weeks, especially at the beginning of the year. If it's just one meal that you fast, fast that one meal. If it's one meal every day over the course of the next two weeks, we're going to go right till man up. In fact, that there would be, for the men especially, there'd be a breaking of the fast at man up at the end of man up. There's a day before Pentecost Sunday, which is the last Sunday of the month. Lord, we desire that there would be a move, and we recognize that without your spirit, there cannot be the move that there has to be by the church, a glorious church, without the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot have a form of godliness denying the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives. I, even for those that are, are baptized in the Holy Spirit, and, and you're, you're, you know, there's... Listen, we can grieve the Holy Spirit. We can shut the Holy Spirit down. Even if we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is as gentle as a dove. That we would not grieve the Holy Spirit, but that we would just be crying out, we need a, there to be repentance, a turning from sin, and a turning to you, Lord. Even by the body of Christ, even by the church. When we read Revelations chapters 2 and 3, those churches, five of those churches needed to repent. And the Lord says, repent. Those that have ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Repent. Repent. There needs to be a turning away from the things that are not right before the Lord, even as believers. Lord, we cry out to you. We come to you with all our heart. Turn to me with all your heart. Do not be going through the motions. But turn to me with all your heart. Gather the people. Call a sacred assembly. Consecrate a fast. Commit to keeping this fast. And so for some of you, the Lord may put on your heart, I want you to fast for three days. Or I want you to fast for seven days. Or I want you to fast for those whole 14 days. Maybe the Lord will put it on your heart to do that. Say, God, 
We need to have a move. Of God. The Lord is moving, but Lord, that there would not be any restriction to your will being accomplished in my life and your will being accomplished in my home and your will being accomplished in our church and in the body of Christ in Niagara Falls and in this region that he has placed us, that there would not be a hindrance at all. But Lord, God, let your will be done in these last days because you are coming back for a glorious church. Let me be that glorious church. Let us be that glorious church in these last days. Hallelujah. So from Sunday, May 14th, at the end of the day, and you may have eaten much that day, and that's fine. But at the end, Lord, I'm committing to fasting. You might say, I've never fasted before, or I, I can't handle going, even missing one meal. Consecrate yourself to the fast. Whatever that, once again, whatever that looks like for you, do it. Do it for the sake of the people. It says, gather the people. Gather the people. Sanctify the con congregation. Listen, we are only sanctified by his blood. There is nothing else that can sanctify us. Not any action that we can do, but there's, it is what the, the Lord Jesus has already done for us. We are sanctified. This Sunday, we are having communion and part of this thing of, of communion, Lord, let there be this realization, let the revelation of, of the fact that we can be made whole and right in your sight, Lord, sanctify us even as we cry out for those that you would put on our hearts. Assemble the elders, gather the children and nursing babes, let the bridegroom go out from his chamber and the bride from her dressing room. He's saying, it doesn't matter, even if you're getting married, that you would take time. So there was a calling of the people of, of Israel or northern, southern kingdoms gathered together. Just within one or two generations of this happening, the, the northern kingdom was taken. I think it was around 722 or around 730 B.C., where the northern kingdom, the Assyrian king, came and basically took them captive and took them out and spread them all over the place. The northern kingdom was finished. They were, the peoples were spread all over the place by the, the, the Syrian um, king. So the warning came. And the Lord is giving us warning. He always warns before. And he's saying, call the people together. This Sunday morning, I'm going to be mentioning this as well, to call the people together that we will be starting a fast. There are things that are coming up. Let me just say, the things that the Lord wants to do yet before his return, and he started already, and I see amazing things happening. The Lord wants to do it now before he comes that we would come before the Lord. It says not just the people and the congregation, not just the elders, not just the children, even the nursing babes, even those that are, hey, the important events of even getting married. Don't let important events say, well, I, I can't do this now, but that there would be a fasting. It sure sucked to, if you're getting married on a Sunday or whatever. 
Well, hey, we're going we're gonna to fast anyways. Let the priests who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach, that the nations should rule over them. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? Where is God? God, where is your God? That there would be such a demonstration a confirming of the gospel of Jesus Christ with signs following us. We need that in the last days. There needs to be a power about us, the power of the Holy Spirit over us that we would do the things that the Lord would have us do in these last days. So that we would be one in prayer and fasting and weeping and mourning. And so every single time of prayer, whether it's the men on Monday night or whether it's the ladies on Tuesday morning or whether it's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whether it's uh, from 9.20 to 10.20, there's going to be a time between the porch and the altar. And we're going to assemble here, however many there is, determined to gather together to say, I'm going to pray. We're going to pray. On Sunday morning, I would challenge you, and I'll, I'll remind, that you come before the service. The worship team is already here by 9 o'clock. They're here before 9 o'clock. Come. Come an hour before the service and say, I'm going to pray. I'm going to intercede over the course of the next while as we gather together. I'm going to intercede. So Come. Sunday morning. Come already Sunday morning. Make it something that you do every Sunday. You know what? I'm going to be in, in the house of the Lord early. I'm going to be in the house of the Lord early that there would be a prayer that goes up in oneness. To be one as the prayer goes up before the Lord. So come. Let's pray. Let's be one in prayer and fasting and weeping and mourning for the sake of of our brothers and sisters in the Lord that maybe not be where they should be at or even for our own sake. I'm not where I should be at. Lord, I'm coming before you. Let me be where I need to be before you in Jesus' name. You might say, why? What's the, what is the purpose? Look at what it says in verse 18, Joel 2, verse 18. That we would be one in the blessing. So here is this thing of sacrifice before the Lord. And the Lord then says, I want to bless. So that we would be one in the blessing. That you would not be missing out on the blessing. It says, then the Lord will be zealous for his land and pity his people. There is going to be a taking care of his people. Of us. Even as we would say, I'm, we're going to take this time. Lord. We, we need you in our lives, and we desire your blessing in our lives. And especially in our homes. Lord, we need the blessing in our home. We need the blessing in our workplace. We need the blessing in our church. We need the blessing in our city, in our region. He is coming back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. I say yes. The blessing that we would be one in the blessing. Not that people are left out because, you know what? They're not in the right place. They didn't make things right. We want 
the blessing of the Lord, then the Lord will be zealous for his people or for his land and pity his people, not just for the land, but for the people. The Lord will answer and say to his people, Behold, I will send you grain and new wine and oil, and you will be satisfied by them. I will no longer make you a reproach among the nations. The Lord is saying, I'm going to take care of you. I want to, this thing of sending the grain and the new wine and the oil is all about there being blessing. There's a blessing. Lord, bring blessing into, your, into our lives. I'll tell you, the last little while, it's been like, my goodness, it's like one person after another is getting hit and hit hard. Even myself, I mentioned last week, the enemy attacking, attacking in the mind, attacking with any little symptom. You're, you've got cancer. You're going to die. I'm going to take you out. And there's these attacks coming against the Lord is saying, I want to bless you. And so it comes as we humble ourselves before the Lord. That we would humble ourselves before the Lord and come before Him with fasting, a turning to Him with all our heart and weeping and with mourning. May I say this? This past Saturday as we went up, this is why... I would desire for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do not believe the lie that it is only for some. I'm not talking about the gifts of the Spirit. I am talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit is for every single person. And so what happened on the way up, there was this text that came through that says, hey, listen, can you pray right now for, for me, for us? Oftentimes, we pray with understanding. Let me just clarify, last week, praying with understanding and praying in the Spirit are two different things. And one, praying with understanding, we pray with the things that we know, according, even according to Scripture. And we pray what we know according to Scripture, with understanding. But then there's praying in the Spirit, which is for every single person that comes with the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and I, I, I just found out, I don't know if I mentioned it last time, but there's a Pentecostal denomination that has taken out speaking in tongues as the initial evidence of the, of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I say, was there not one person in the assembly when they made this decision? They probably made it according to majority vote on something. And so they have taken that out of their denominational creed that the sword of the Spirit, this, when Paul says, I speak in tongues more than you all, a lie from the pit of hell because then we are swordless or we, we stand with our understanding. Well, what happens when you don't, you don't have the word, you don't know how to pray anymore, and that's what happened for an hour, for one hour, I prayed for this situation, and there was already before that time, or as that time was up, there was a text that came, there's, there's been a shift, there's been a, a breakthrough, because there was battle being done in the spiritual realm, and so we do battle in the spiritual realm for the sake of others.
the Lord, and we see that in verse 20. But I will remove far from you the northern army and will drive him away into a barren and desolate land with his face toward the eastern sea and his back toward the western sea. His stench will come up and his foul odor will arise because he has done monstrous things. Now this is also talking about the Antichrist and his, his coalition and the destroying of that huge, probably the, it'll be the largest army I was alive during the Gulf War, and they had a coalition of 28 nations that came against uh, during the Gulf War. And so I remember that. It was like they just came and they just pummeled. Uh, who was it then, back then? Um, Hussein uh, from uh, Iraq. And I, I remember, we, we saw it on, on television. We watched live as there was a bombarding and, and there was a coming against the enemy. But I'll tell you right now, the Lord, as he comes against the enemy, as we do battle against the enemy, we overcome. We can overcome. So do not believe the lie that says, well, you know what? There's only some that will pray in tongues. In the baptism in the Holy Spirit, that is not the case. Every single person on the day of Pentecost got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it says, and they all began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. I am not talking about the gift of the Spirit or of uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit that talks about tongues and interpretation that is meant for the church. Not everybody has that. But when it comes to praying in the Spirit, is for every single person seek the baptism in the Holy Spirit because He wants to drive back the enemy, the only one that doesn't want you to have the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues is Satan himself. Because now you can fight in a spiritual manner that the enemy just, you, you drive him back. The Lord will fight for us and we will overcome the enemy. Praise God. So that we would be one in the blessing. The Lord wants to bless. And that we would be one in praise and thanksgiving. His presence in our lives. And we would begin to thank the Lord for his presence in our lives and what he will do. So from verses 21 to 27, this is a continuation of the blessing, but that we would begin to thank the Lord in advance for what he wants to do in our lives. It says, fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done marvelous things. Be glad and rejoice. Let's be one in the praise and the thanksgiving that goes up. Lord, I'm going to begin to thank you in advance for the victory that you will do in my life, in my, my family's life, with my spouse and our marriage, in whatever it may be. I'm going to thank you in advance that there will be victory. For the Lord has done marvelous things and he will do marvelous things for you. He will give you peace and gladness. It says, fear not. I don't have to fear. I'm going to have peace. Be glad and rejoice. So a thing of gladness and joy coming over us, and I begin to rejoice. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. He has done marvelous things. I begin to praise him for the pre his presence in our lives, who he is. Interesting, I just want to jump to 2 Chronicles 5, verse 11. You know the passage in 2 Chronicles 
7, 14, it says, If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. Now, if you read chapter 6, chapter 6 is all a, a prayer that King Solomon prays in the dedication of the temple, and he's saying, but Lord, if these things, if there's different things that happen, and maybe the people sin, or we're overwhelmed because of sin, and it's always talking about sin, and people being moved away from God, but if they, if they come back to you, Lord, that there would be a hearing from heaven, and the Lord says, yes, if there's a repentance that takes place, I want to say to you, if you humble yourself, you pray and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. That's a promise that the Lord has given even to us as we humble ourselves. But look at in 2 Chronicles 5, verse 11. This, really, this is a few chapters before chapter 7. It says in verse 11, it says, And it came to pass when the priests came out of the most holy place, for all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without keeping to their divisions. I like that. They, had, they hadn't kept they, all of them. So they were divided into uh, different rotations and whatever. But here, all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without keeping to their divisions. And the Levites who were the singers, all those of Asaph and Heman and Jedu, Jeduthun, with their sons and their brethren, stood at the east end of the altar, clothed in white linen, having cymbals, stringed instruments, and harps, and with them 120 priests sounding with trumpets. Can you imagine 120 priests sounding in, on trumpets together? Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one, to make one sound, to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they had lifted up their voice with the trumpets and the cymbals and the instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever, that the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not continuing ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. That that would be the case that every single time that we get together, that, that we would be together in praise and worship, that we would be one in the praise and the thanksgiving that goes up to the Lord, that the glory of the Lord would fill this temple, that the glory of the Lord would fill this temple, that the glory of the Lord would fill this city, this region. As we are one, as we come together as one, as we lift up and exalt the Lord, as we praise Him and thank Him for His goodness. That we would praise Him for what is happening and what is still to come. So there's a continued praise and a thanksgiving that goes up to the Lord for His blessings, even before it may happen. It says in verse 22, Joel 2.22, it says, Do not... Be afraid, you beasts of the field. For the open pastures are springing up and the tree bears its fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their strength. We're talking about new, vigorous life. New life coming. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. What, is, what really desperately needs rain? 
plants. The things of life, they need rain. When you don't have rain at the right time, things don't grow properly. He says, he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain, in the first month. Lord, pour out your spirit upon us. But the things that need to come into existence in, in my life and the lives of others, Lord, that the right conditions would be met. Let all the conditions be right for there to be growth, for there to be life, for there to be a harvest. And so we need this for us as well, he, even here at the church. There's a sign-up for Sunday night. I think there's only one person on that sign-up. I, I challenge, and I recognize that there's a possibility we, we're not 100% sure that we're going to have it on Sunday night. But we need people to help out, to set up. If you can help out for this outreach, or for whatever is going on in the church, Lord, use me. And I'm preaching to the choir tonight. So many of you are used and you give yourselves to be used. Lord, we need and want new life to come. Let the condition be right in me to bring in a harvest. The threshing floor shall be full of wheat and the vats shall overflow with new wine and oil. Basically, the Lord will bring in the harvest, and there would be an overflow. Let me read again. The, the threshing floors shall be full of wheat, and the vats, those are big, huge containers uh, for, for the juice, for the grape juice. The vats shall overflow with new wine, that grape juice from the, from the vineyards, and oil from the, the olive trees. From the olives, they make an oil. There's going to be an overflow. Lord, let there be an overflow in our harvest. The harvest that we would have. I know many of you are praying for people that you love and care for, that they would come to know Jesus. Lord, let there be an overflow of a harvest. So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has ate, eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust, my great army which I sent among you. The Lord basically is saying, as we repent, I will bring restoration. I want to bring restoration even as we would repent. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be put to shame. So the Lord will bring rest and plenty and satisfaction and care that we would praise him, continue to praise him for his goodness to us. And even what is yet to come. You might say, I'm not at that place. I know, that's why I'm saying let's fast and pray. And let's humble ourselves. Let's rend our heart. Let's come to him with our whole heart and say, God, do a work. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. In other words, the Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. Thank you, Lord. And he, and he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. We would praise the Lord that we would bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, you are so good.
And finally, the last few verses of Joel. Not only, and let me just repeat quickly, not only that we would be one in prayer, fasting, weeping, and mourning. Not only would we be one in the blessing. Not only would we be one in praise and thanksgiving. Man, to see a praise and a worship that goes up in this place. But that we would be one in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit coming upon us. And the, one, the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit being in us and flowing through us. For what purpose? For the sake of just one soul. For the sake of just one soul. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants. We're talking about, Lord, I am totally surrendered to you willingly. A living sacrifice for you. Men servants, bond servants, and my maid servants. I'm your servant, Lord. It says, I will pour out my spirit on those in these last days, in those days. Lord, let me be used by you powerfully. Lord, here I am. I give myself to you. Pour your spirit out upon me. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. We know there's already a shaking that's taking place physically on our planet. And spiritually, there's, there's huge things that have shifted and are happening. And the Lord is saying, but I am able to do a work even in the midst of all of these times. Shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let there be a calling on the name of the Lord. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance. As the Lord has said, among the remnant, the remnant whom the Lord calls, not everybody, on the remnant that the Lord calls, that we would have the promise of the Father. Let me read again as I began. I want to finish with this, these two verses. And then we're going to close uh, with uh, some praise and worship already. So the fast isn't necessarily starting today for you, unless you want it to. But it's going to be starting on Sunday night. All right? On Sunday night. Being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. They were in one place in one accord as Jesus before he left the planet. But he says, wait for the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father is the Holy Spirit, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his, uh, in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. So good. So good. In unity. Lord, I want the power of your spirit upon me for the sake of of the lost and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the holy spirit began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance 
if I could have the uh, guys just come, we're going to close with just a, a time of praise and thanksgiving. And if I could have you, can we be one as we close tonight? Just fill this altar. Let's just fill this altar and let's be in one accord just saying yes. I have an outline here. I've got about 20 of them. And uh, it's just going over the four different things to be one in. And over the course of the next few weeks, that you would just have this page and maybe the Lord will just unction you to read through Joel chapter 2 again and that you would begin to just, it's marked on there, uh, the different passages that we read and uh, give, give you an outline. So I'm going to leave these up here uh, for you to grab. Maybe I'll put some on the other side as well. And uh, can we come? Let's just begin to praise the Lord. Let's just thank him in advance. And you might say, Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through this at this time. And maybe, yeah, you're going through some, some hard things. But I'm just I'm saying to you, man, let's start to rejoice in advance. Let's start to praise him in advance for his goodness, his faithfulness to us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hey, thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. Just want you to know you can find full live stream services on our website, lighthouseniagara.com.